It was written that I would love you From the moment I opened my eyes And the morning when I first saw you Gave me life under calico skies I will hold you For as long as you like I'll hold you For the rest of my to love you never failing to fight at your side while the angels of love protect us from the innermost secrets we hide I will hold you for as long as you like I'll hold you for the rest of my Welcome to another episode of Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all, all of, the time. of the time. And remember, this is widescreen podcasting. This is wide, wide screen, screen podcasting. I am, of course, your host, Sam Walls. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you're all well, safe and sound. 
Yes, we are back for a second week in a row, meaning our hiatus is over and now regular scheduled programming can resume. And let's just dive right into it, folks. This week, we are going to be doing what we do best here at Paul or Nothing, and that is a good old-fashioned Macca and Beetle chit-chat with a brand new guest. Well, actually, he's not brand brand new. Fans of our sister show, Macca In Your Attic, go and check that out if you haven't already, where me and a guest go through their McCartney and Beatle-based memorabilia collections, then you will have already had the pleasure of meeting my guest today, the wonderful Max Komu. Max is someone I've been in semi-regular correspondence with for the last several years, and I'll go, well, I'll go into detail when I introduce him, but let's just say he's worked his way up in a very admirable fashion, and it's just so exciting to see the culmination of all of his work. And what is that work exactly? What has he done to get an invite on this podcast when others haven't? Well, for any of those of you out there with a salty disposition, know this. Max has... He's gone and recorded, played, performed on, and produced Play McCartney, an entire Paul McCartney covers album. Boom! Fucking A. So yeah, folks, that's the kind of standard I'm expecting from everyone now, if you're going to try and weasel your way onto this prestigious show. And not only that, I'm an ardent capitalist. I expect growth. So I'm requiring you to beat that. If you want to be on this podcast now, I'm talking getting a job at MPL... Uh, personally working with Paul McCartney himself, marrying one of his grandchildren, or convincing Kanye West to produce his next album. In all seriousness, though, folks, having Max on was truly a joy. We really clicked during our first Mac in Your Attic chat, and I knew our rapport was going to be perfect for this extended show, which it was. He's someone who has really put their money where their mouth is and done what I guess a lot of us wish we all could do, you know, if you're one of those people who has always thought, I, I reckon I could do a pretty good Paul McCartney covers album, then this really is the episode for you. After our, you know, little intro pitter-patter, me and Max go through the intricacies of music recording and the art of covers in general, producing an album, getting it out there, that kind of thing. Lots of interesting and helpful tips, that kind of thing. And yes, while I do play the games and what unplug pretty much anything that anyone brings onto the show, I do want to take a quick moment just to really beseech you all out there to go, after you've listened to this episode of course, to go and check out Max's album on Spotify, on YouTube, there will be links down below as always. It's really good, it's really interesting, I'm definitely going to cover at least one of the songs in a little more detail in an upcoming McCartney covers episode, yes I'll be going back to that well as well. But yeah, folks, if you're looking for something a little bit new, a little bit different, maybe McCartney 3 Imagined wasn't really up your alley, maybe you're a little more old school, then this is definitely the album for you. It's very high quality, it's produced very well, Max is a great singer, the piano playing on it is sublime, his uh, musical partner on it is definitely worth checking out as well. So folks, don't waste any more time. As soon as you've listened to this episode, again, that's the important thing, Go and give Max some love, give him, give him some likes, give him some downloads, some listens, because I really enjoy his work, and I hope that we can give him a little bit of a boost here at Paul or nothing. But yeah, folks, now that we are indeed back in the full swing of things, let's cut to the live portion of the show now. This is my conversation with Max Komu. This is my conversation with Max Komu on his new album, Play McCartney. And before we do start, we're going to hear a little bit more. 
You want a love to last forever One that will never fade away I want to help you with your problem Stick around, I say It's coming up It's coming up It's coming up Like a flower It's coming up, I say Yeah, yeah You want a friend you can rely on One who will never fade away And if you're searching for an answer Stick around, I say Cause it's coming up It's coming up It's coming up On the hour Coming up, I say, yeah, yeah. You want some peace and understanding So that everyone can be free I know that we can get together We can make it stick with me It's coming up It's coming up It's coming up Like a flower Coming up, I say it's coming up, pretty baby, it's coming up, it's coming up, like a flower, it's coming up, coming up. Coming up, Ooh, it's coming up like a flower. It's coming up for you and me. It's coming up, oh, it's coming up. It's coming up like a flower. It's coming up, coming up. And now we are live, everyone, and welcome to the portion of the show where it is time for me to bring on my guest. And if you are a Paul or Nothing super fan, then this may not be the first time you've heard his name. In a story that has a kind of Hollywood arc to it, he has worked his way up to this position here today, folks. He first sent me an email in 2021 after having first listened to the show in 2020 during the pandemic. 
Then in 2021, we did an episode of Mac It in Your Attic together with items including the McCartney Collection DVD and a Driving Rain Tour booklet. Right. Then we uh, ramped things up a gear and I featured the single pigeon single uh, that he has put together on our Driving Rain part two of four episode about a year ago. Nice bit of synergy there. And now everyone to talk about the completed project, the Play McCartney album, his new full album of Macca covers. Please welcome Max Como. Max, welcome back. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Sam. It's a joy to be here. I'm one of those guys who, who operates by the motto, Paul or nothing. Mm. So to be on a show with that title, it just makes a whole lot of sense. Paul or nothing. It's Paul or nothing. <laughs> you know, it, it is. It is. <laughs> it is Paul or nothing. Um, you know, anyone who has other podcasts about any other topic really uh, fall yes. short. Why you know, bother? Politics. Why bother? Ugh, no. Ugh. no, thank you. So yeah, I'm keep me run- out of that one. I'm running on a policy of peace and love, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, um, it was actually fun going back through our correspondence. I didn't know actually how long I've known you, and it's just another one of those. Oh God, I'm old moments. God, I'm getting well, on. Yeah, it's one of those things we lose track of these things. No, like I keep thinking I've been doing the podcast for about five years, but I've probably been doing it for close twenty-seven years now. I think it's of a. <laughs> It's been, it's been long. I think I've been doing it longer than Ken Michaels now. Uh, uh, there you go. <laughs> I, might, I, might, I might have the dates wrong there. But yeah, you're here. You're on the podcast proper now. You've done you've done your dues. You know, you did your 10,000 yes, hours in I Hamburg. I paid my dues. Yeah. Right, yes. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to the rest of you out there who are like, oh, I've sent an email. I get to come. No, you don't. You've got to write and record your own Paul McCartney album. <laughs> you've, you've got to give me content to put out there. And right. I'm not saying you did the album specifically to get on Paul or nothing, but if you did, that'd be a great twist to reveal right at the end. Maybe when Wouldn't we're saying it? our goodbyes, Wouldn't it? you know? Well, uh, I'm, I'm saving it for the end, Sam. Record scratch. <laughs> this summer. Yeah. Little did he know. <laughs> just just before we get into a little uh, chitty chat, because yes. I want to I want to re- reintroduce you to anyone who hasn't already seen our fantastic Mac in the Attic episode. Have you actually bought anything worthy enough of inclusion on an episode of Mac in Your Attic since our last chat? Well, I've I've bought the super deluxe uh, vinyl editions of uh, both Let It Be and Revolver. Mm-hmm. Let It Be is actually supposed to be coming on Sunday. Because I was sort of holding out on Let It Be. But uh, you know what? I just decided I couldn't live without an official copy of the Glenn Johns uh, mm. Get Back. And uh, I feel sort of silly, but I still, I needed it. And so I, I succumbed a couple of days ago. I decided, you know what? Why am I holding out on something I know that on a rainy day, I'm going to love to pull out and go through and, you know, I'm at a point where now it's sort of like if it's Beatle or Paul related, I've come to terms with the fact that it's probably never going to be a waste because I always go back to them. You know, I mean, I remember hesitating just buying the lyrics book when he released it. Mm -hmm. And and yet I love going back to it. It doesn't mean I've spent four hours straight reading it like a regular book. 
but I'll regularly pull it out when I think of a random song mm -hmm. and I'll check, oh, you know what? I'm going to reread what he said about this one. I just, I love my Paul stuff. All, as simple as that. We are discussing this like we're in train spotting and we're heroin addicts. It's, it's, it's quite like the language is very, I've come to terms with the, I've made peace. Well, you know, I, well, lo I love the choice of word there. And I think the, I think the key difference is here that, I think with the Let It Be box set, in your case, it's probably a sadder story because you did have some dignity. You did hold on for a little bit. Whereas me, I'm in the gutters. I'm down there like, yeah, give it to me on release day now. I need my fix. Right. See, that's, I was like that with Sgt. Pepper, with the White Album <laughs> and with Abbey Road. But then I just, with Is there, with an, inner, is there be, an inner dialogue going where you're constantly at war? There and, is. Yeah. There, there is. There is because here's the truth, Sam. <laughs> I am, I am a streaming addict. You know, I'm I'm subscribed to both Spotify and Tidal. I love both streaming platforms. And the truth is, is I'm realizing more and more that I don't actually need the physical medium in order to oh, be happy. Damn. However, no, but you know what? The truth is, is that surprises me mm -hmm. because I'm an old school guy who does love the physical mediums. But the truth is, is I'm realizing that I don't necessarily need it for every album I love. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the Beatles, when it comes to Paul, it's just it's a different category altogether. Um, mm -hmm. Because there's something about sitting down with a book or sitting down with just the album cover as the album's playing that I don't have quite that need with other artists. There are plenty of other artists I love mm -hmm. and that I consider myself very passionate about, but it's a different connection with, with the Beatles. It's like family mm -hmm. with and family. I love not family. I'm trying to keep away from, you know, <laughs> awkward Christmas dinner family. Yeah. Right. Exactly. For me, it's definitely a uh, guilt is a factor. Like regardless of how rich the artist is, Yes, I do. I, I know. I do like yes. a, a little Pythagorean yes. theorem of, you know, you do a little chart of joy brought to you and the amount of time you've spent with that joy. Like, for example, I've recently been getting into REM a lot. Right. I'm not going to buy one of their records yet. They've been giving me loads of joy, but it's only been a couple of months. Whereas, like Tom right. Waits, all on vinyl. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into Stevie right. Wonder soon. I've, I've nearly yes. sorted out St. Vincent. And right. know, I love the existential dread of having completed a collection and then like you kind of lie down on your bed and you're like, now what, you know? Uh <laughs> yes. yes. And it's insane how much we enjoy, oh. at least I can only speak for myself, but it's crazy how much I enjoy the waiting. I enjoy the anticipation of getting something in the mail or going to the record shop and picking it up. But knowing that I'm going tomorrow, say, you know, I enjoy the process of it so much. It's like I'm still 12 years old or something, you know. I mean, I, I love the anticipation of a physical release. Yeah. Simple as that. Literally, a, a drug addict's favorite part of the day is, me, is not the drugs, though. It's going on the way to the drug dealer. Right, right. Record store day, being outside with other weirdos. Yes. Complaining about McCartney 3 being delayed on message boards yes. live as it's happening. Yes. 
Yes, yes. Being being one of the people that get sent the illegal leaks of Egypt Station because you're in the know. <laughs> like these are right. all things that I wouldn't have experienced without becoming a kind yes. of mega fan. And you know, I think a Beatles fandom is definitely you get out of it what you put into it. I think so too. That, yes, that is absolutely that is totally it. And um, when it when it comes to vinyl as well. I don't mean to say this uh, to sound like a negative Nelly, but I, I see the way the world's going. Things aren't looking well. And after having seen films like The Book of Eli or The Postman or what, like Kevin Costner apocalypse movies, I think that the best outcome for my life is to be in a post-apocalyptic wasteland, having the only copies of all the Beatle albums left and kind of being this wise traveling sage and for the whole movie, you don't know what's in my big vinyl-shaped box. And it's like, oh, what's in the box? What's in the box? And then in the final shot, as I lay dying and the box opens, it's like Sgt. Pepper, Abbey Road. Listen, I have their entire discography in the original 1987 CD pressing. And then I bought the box in 2009, of course, the day it came out. And I cannot get rid of those, even though I haven't spun my 80s Beatles CDs and literally at least 20 years i would well maybe well i don't know about 20 years but i i don't think since the remasters came out in 09 i, I definitely haven't spun them but yet i can't part with them because some part of me believes that at some point they're going to come in handy i'm going to need a physical the government's support. coming for my guns and the government's coming yes. for my Beatles records. <laughs> yes. Yes. And are they, you know, are all the streaming platforms someday going to crash? I mean, it's not going to last forever. And when I really, truly love an album, yeah, I do want a physical copy of it, if possible, because who knows if, if streaming is going to be around uh, for another, you know, solar who flare. knows? Solar flare happens. The yes. Ele the electricity is yes. wiped out, but I've got, if I have a crystal and a little bit of wire... <laughs> And an ability to spin something at 33 yes. and a third. Yes. You know. Yes. <laughs> 20 years ago today. You know, you, you will, you, and then you will pass. And then that's probably how the next religion gets started as well. Uh, 100%. Most probably, yes. 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 But yeah, Max, let's do something that I haven't done on this podcast for ages. This is really going back now. The Paul or nothing quick fire round because we haven't had yes. new guests, so we don't have new guests anymore. It's, it's a lot of old guests and established faces, and then authors who I don't have time to waste with. So right. I rarely get to right. do this segment. So I get it. Quick answers. You can you can go into as much detail as you want, but it's got to be off the top of your head. Favorite Beatles right. album? Go. It's got to be the White Album. Mm -hmm. I think they're all fantastic, but the White Album just for its diversity and for the sheer fact that anytime I think about the White Album for more than 30 seconds, all of a sudden I get really emotional about the idea of sitting down and giving it a real listen, not just perusing through the album and skipping tracks and furrowed brow prudence. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Like I want to be, I want to sit down, put one of my vinyl copies of the White Album on and just sort of like, we're listening, you know, it's one of those, I mean, and I feel that way about Abbey Road and I feel that way about Revolver and Rubber Soul, but there's something about the White Album that to me is, it's an experience and it's an experience that I crave on a regular basis. So White Album. It's 
it's best value for money in terms of a single album. I think the yes. fact that it is so long adds to that kind of cinematic feel to it. You can definitely imagine sitting between two speakers in the dark, total sensory deprivation. You wouldn't do that with Absolutely. Pepper. Pepper, you have the curtains open, bright, sunny, sunny, sunny right. day, doing a bit of yes, cleaning. Yes, true. I'll, I'll never put on Sgt. Pepper on a rainy day. And it's not because, I, I mean, I know very well I'm going to enjoy the album all the same. But Sgt. Pepper, to me, it's a sunny day album. Whereas the White Album, it's any day. It's in the middle of, it's dead of winter. It's in the middle of the night. It's in the summer when the, you know, it doesn't matter. White album is like, it's just an experience to me. The Chill Out album, you know, something akin to what McCartney would do later with like Pipes of Peace or Off the Ground, Elements of Flaming Pie. It's got to be Beatles for Sale for me. It's not a particular favorite right. album of mine, but I pop that on and it is wonderful background noise. I just, you know, it's up there with yeah. like, um, Holidays by Denny Lane or rock, yes. rock, rock and roll music. I mean, the fact yes. that, that there's lots of covers on it does lend right. itself to that kind of lovely whiffle kind of feeling. And there are beautiful surprises on yeah. Beatles for Sale, too. I mean, you know, we know the album yeah. like the back of our hands, but it's still surprising to me opening with No Reply and going into I'm a Loser. It's it's a really, it's a totally underrated Beatles album, if there is such a thing. So yeah, I, I love Beatles for Sale. Love it. Also, it's one of the best album covers, as far as I'm concerned. I love that album cover. You know, the, the inner sleeve, the inner photo, the fact that it's, a, yes. it's like a, a, a weird center party is that on all the pressings or, is that, or have i got like a weird 80s one there no i i believe it is on all pressings i'm what's i'm not a, that? Yeah, i mean what's, what's it, it's there? odd it is odd it's it is odd and it's not the album that would immediately pop into your mind as you know the first gatefold album because it's you know mm. it's it's low-key it's a low-key album by Beatles standards if i hear another person say that they look tired on that front cover I'm going to, oh, well, that's pareidolia for me. That is, you know, when someone says, oh, oh, it's turn me on dead man. And then you can't hear it another way. I never right. saw them as tired because everyone's told me they're tired. I now see right. them as tired. I don't really believe that. They, you know, it makes the narrative because of their touring work nicely. But right, right. The narrative fits. However, yeah, I think they're just being dark and brooding. You know, yeah. I think they're just sort of being like, hey, we're we're getting a tad more serious. It's that, that's to, all it is. Yeah. It's facts to suit theories rather than theories to suit facts, Watson. Yeah. And it is sort of the first step towards the more adult Beatles. You could argue that the first steps mm. are things we said today. I'll be back. You know, the side two of Hard Day's Night has a little bit of of that coming in. But on Beatles for Sale, you know, I don't want to spoil the party. I'm a loser, which I mentioned, uh, Babies in Black. It's a more adult Beatles. It's a slightly more introspective. It's not quite Rubber Soul Revolver yet, of course. That, and we have help in, in, you know, to get to before. But it's definitely the first step towards there. That's where the dissonance comes from, I think, though, because it's a bit driving rainy how you've got, like, happy Heather songs and sad yes. Linda songs. You've got yes. Beatles becoming rubber soul Beatles and yes pre rock and roll music pre like please, yes please me yes. Era stuff and it's like yes mm -hmm. it, it almost has to exist as a sacrificial transitional lamb 
for the band to evolve and yeah. yeah and progress i think that's fair i think that's fair yeah you know and we should look at Beatles for sale as the tough little album that could not this throwaway one you know um not that any of them are throwaway it's all it's all within a scale not much of a quick fire round favorite Beatles song you never give me your money Really? That's a unique answer. Oh, very I know. piano, sing, solo piano as well. Oh, man. To me, there's something about that song that still really seduces me and turns me on almost as much as the first time I listened to it. There's something magical about it. You know, my, my classic answer over the years has been You've Got I Had Your Love Away because I mm. find it's one of those songs that can exist in any way, shape, or form, it's just so complete as it is. You Never Give Me Your Money works better if you've got the full band and the full piano. I wasn't particularly keen on his keyboard version on the Driving Rain tour. I don't know if you remember that, but he did it like sort of as a solo piece. I mean, it was nice, but You Never Give Me Your Money needs to have the full band. However, there's just something about um, the magic of that recording. And then John coming in at the end with the one, two, three, four, five, all good children go to heaven. I don't know. I I find that song incredible. The bass tone on it, when he switches to that out of college, money spent, I just think, oh man, it's life. It's life in a song. I think that song is beyond incredible. It's it's a proper like McCartney Fats Waller moment. All the money's gone. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And it's incredible, incredible because just before that, He's in his more subtle, yes, and more sort of lyrical and more, you know, sweet McCartney tone, but it just changes up. And of course, you know, he ends up doing that quite a bit in his solo career, but there's something about it on Abbey Road. And I mean, has the band ever sounded tighter and more musicianship? I like the musicianship on that Mm -hmm. track is, to me, it's stellar. Um, but I mean, you know, they have so many extraordinary songs. But off the top of my head now, that's how I'm feeling. You never give me your money. Favorite post-Beatles. So this can be Solo, McCartney and Linda, that one album that you can include in that. Is the yes. Mm-hmm. Right post-Beatles, yeah. McCartney album, number one. Three, two, one. You know, I know you're not a huge fan of this album, Sam. Um, I've heard you on many. Well, I've I've listened to at least two or three times your episode where you go through the entire album. But it's Red Rose Speedway. Speedway. No, yes, I don't hate, yes. No, I don't hate. Well, it. I know you no, don't. No, no. no, I know. I, I know you don't hate the album. I know you don't. I've but you're, to you're it a again. little bit tough on it. I am. You're a bit tough on it. However, because I love it. And you know what? But I hear everything you yeah. say about it, and and I agree. With most of the critiques, you throw the albums away. I do not think it's a perfect album. I really don't. However, there's just something about that album. You know, it's like it was part of my childhood. And it wasn't because I first discovered that album when I was, I don't know, 17 or 18. So it wasn't part of my childhood in any way, shape or form, other than perhaps hearing my love on my mom's radio station. Mm -hmm. But there's something about that album that just I feel safe. I, it's like a haven of peace to me. And I also kind of hate picking an album that's 50 years old because the truth is, is I adore Memory Almost Full. Ooh. I'm crazy about McCartney 3. 
you know, there are albums that he's put out in the last 10 years that I think are stellar. So I kind of hate myself for picking an album from all the way back to 1973. But there's something about Red Rose Speedway that just I get so excited about that album almost as much as I do the white album. And I love that double vinyl edition of uh, Red Rose Speedway. I, I just adore it. I'm not saying again that it's perfect. And I'm not even convinced that it would have been all that much better if they had released it as a double album. What I do know is that it speaks to me Ooh. and I adore listening to it. Simple as that. The amount of potential in the Red Rose Speedway sessions and that early, yes. you know, late 72, early 73. Yes. There's, there's something there's something there it's like Hodorowsky's yes. Dune you know it's one of those great uh, uh, you know, Stanley Kubrick's AI something yeah. like that mm-hmm. like the potential yes Band on mm-hmm. the Run happened six months earlier you know and yes got, and he, yes and the classic era were you know it'd yes. be like it'd be like if Basil the Great Mouse Detective for Disney was like the start of the Renaissance like, whoa the whole the whole timeline right. changes now yes yes absolutely and, and that and the material is there for Red Rose to have done that. Yes. But yes. McCartney is fundamentally one of the worst judges of what his best stuff is. I I think so too. I think so too. And I think Bob Dylan is also very Frank Sinatra's party didn't make Egypt Station Paul. I know. Yeah. Well. Yes, I know. I feel that way about Why So Blue from Memory Almost Full. That's a great track. I'd take that over gratitude. Any day of the week. Oh man, I mean, I I love the intentions of gratitude, but that's the one track on Memory Almost Full <laughs> that you will never catch me listening to on its own. If I'm listening to the whole album, that's one thing. I'll let it play. But if I'm not listening to the whole album, there's no way I'm listening to gratitude. There's I feel just like no way. Appreciate was like him apologizing for gratitude in in some ways. <laughs> you know, like it's the yeah. same idea. But yes. like, what if I took this in actually in an interesting direction? Like, yes, ah, exactly. Good, 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 good you know, I, I, I love that he seems to think gratitude is his Elvis kind of thing. But, <laughs> and I guess I hear that in his voice, maybe. Yeah. But I mean, the song just makes me cringe. It, it really does. No, I mean, this is the same man who wanted to give suicide to Frank Sinatra or... I'll give you a ring before he'd finished writing it properly. Right, <laughs> right, right. You know, yes. I mean, no, no middle eight here, Paul. No, the because no, like, right. When he when he does it in one hand clapping and he doesn't go. Yes. Whoa, oh, man. It's like no. yes. It's like yeah. listening. Yeah, to, it's missing something. Like I was listening to REM do "Shiny Happy People" without Kate Pearson yes. from the B52s. Oh and right, yeah, that must make a major difference. So they don't like have say the the drummer do it. It'll go shiny, right. happy people, pause, shiny, happy people laughing. And it's like, right. oh, oh, God. Right. Yeah. It's missing something. What is your favorite post-Beatles McCartney track? Just a track, one song. Just You know what? I'm going to have two answers. I'm not, I don't want to cheat, but it would be a tie between Calico Skies and Single Pigeon. Oh, my God. That's funny based on a lot of the questions I have. Well, wow, there you uh, that's go. That's very that's very helpful for me. Awesome. <laughs> Single pigeon speaks to the kid in me. There's something about the simplicity and the complete lack of. I mean, there's no pretension about single pigeon. It's yeah, almost it like could be, it could be five and a half minutes long if it was that kind yes, of poor. Yes, 
Right, exactly. But it's just like he had a simple image in his mind, a simple little story. It's relatable. It's human, even though they're they're birds. It feels very human. And there's just, there's no frills about it. I mean, there's a bit of brass and whatnot, but there's something about the simplicity of that track that, I mean, if it were on the White Album, oh, a lot that's of people such, would, That's such an apt a, point, yeah. A lot of people would call it one of their favorites. Yeah. The same way people appreciate Martha My Dear. For some reason, people love to hate on Honey Pie, but they love to love Martha, Martha My, My Dear, Dear, or at yeah. least I find. And I'm not saying it's the same complexity musically as Martha My Dear, but there's something about Single Pigeon that's like, ugh. It's beyond words. And and then Calico Skies. You know, I was 17, I guess, when that came out. And what really struck me at the time, first of all, I thought the guitar part was just, it blew my mind. Uh, I've since learned to play it, and it's not all that complicated compared to, for instance, Blackbird, which is quite complex when you stop and think about really, it. Really, because I thought but Blackbird was one of those... I'm a very bad guitarist. I, I hate bar chords. That's my limitation. But right. I, well, yes, I, I get it. I, I know Yesterday is my first slightly complicated Beatles acoustic song. I didn't right, think, right. I, thought, I thought Blackbird was only slightly above that. Because I had kids in, like, in, in my high school that were all like five yes. or six of them would all do Blackbird. Right. And would they do it well, though? Because I find there's a lot of nuances that people get wrong about Blackbird. They play an approximation of it, but to play it correctly, I think, is quite a feat, at you know least in what? my opinion. The, the, and I don't the, claim to be a great guitarist, not by any stretch. There are bad versions that Paul does, kind of like talk show versions, like where he'll kind right. of like, like you know, a where like lazy, he, or like he'll be doing it quickly just to like remind you yes. what Blackbird is, yes. and that's kind of mm. what a lot of people do, I guess. That's that's how I feel about but, it. You know, these are all the same people that you know they they learned Wild Thing first, then they did Wonder Wall, and then and then you right, exactly, you, uh, yes. But yes, the other thing about Calico Sky is not only mm. that great guitar part, but the fact that he says, "I love you." Uh, or I'll hold you for as long as you like. The nuance of for as long as you like. Mm -hmm. The fact that he's not imposing his love upon her. I remember thinking as a 17-year-old that that was very profound, even though it doesn't necessarily come off as profound. But when you stop and think about it, I'll hold you for as long as you like. There's something about that that I find so touching. And of course... The backstory, knowing that he's singing it to Linda, who's slowly, you know, uh, drifting away, uh, slowly dying. I mean, I, I think he recorded it in like 92 or 93. So she was probably still fairly healthy at that point. But, you know, the context of it to me, Calico Skies is just, it's a standout. And anytime he brings it out live, which I don't think he has for a little while now, mm -hmm. but when he does do it, I just think, ah. Uh -uh. Man, what a song. What a song. So, yeah, Calico Skies and Single Pigeon. I do try to be a bit standoffish with Flaming Pie. I do try to be like, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to be won over by the hype. I'm going to go into this really, really cynically. And, like, right. you know, halfway through the songs we were singing, you're like, yeah, 90s Paul, yeah. go on, mate. Listen, <laughs> in, in my humble opinion, Flaming Pie is almost perfection were it not for used to be bad and really love you. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you put on um, 
Oh God, there's so much to put on. Actually, I mean, clear. I mean, clearly, the fact that he included those things on Ubu Jubu and then included other songs on the archive box, it does kind of symbolize to me at least that they could have been potential contenders if we're doing one of those yes what ifs and i love this house as a random like mccartney 2-esque yeah. sounding one yeah. on that. that could be bold probably wouldn't work yeah i think it would clash with the rest of the sound of the album but you know the one jam squid? that doesn't really squid? squid is interesting squid is very interesting That's acoustic that would fit on flaming pie yes um, yes, that would. What's the other one? Uh, there's, there's a couple of the good ones. Well, um, one outtake from the album that I do really like is Looking for You. Well, I'm now, looking for you. Yeah, yeah. Yes, because I feel that there's more emotional investment in there than mm-hmm. there is Used to Be Bad or Really Love You. Used to Be Bad and Really Love You, you can hear it in his voice that he's just making it up as he goes and he finds himself really funny. Whereas Looking For You actually sounds like it has a purpose. It's not a great song. It's still a jam. But at least it it feels like there's a real, I'm looking for you. I'm hungering. I'm pining after you. I just buy it more. I've had enough wishes it had the gruff grit and emotion yes. of something like Looking For You. You know, it actually- Right, right. Yes, I'd love to hear I've had enough with that kind of grit. <laughs> because <laughs> i've had enough is just a little too clean it's just a little too clean yeah i mean like look, that music video me. makes me laugh you know yeah. that he's trying to look real punk and and they're waving their hair yeah and you know but it's like the cleanest most middle of the road rocker you've ever heard you know i like i've had yeah. enough but it's way too clean way no, too clean i mean there's so many uh potential flourishes on the London Town album to have kind of naughty or saucy lyrics because yeah. we, we we had that with girls' school and there are echoes yes. of it in like famous groupies and stuff. And like yes. I feel like he really he could have pushed it. You know, this is the guy who wrote a song called I Go Down on My Wife Every Day and and <laughs> and put it and put it on his best album. You know, maybe it's because he's had, you know, it's like, you know, when Spielberg went back to do Indiana Jones 4, he's like an old guy with kids and grandkids now. He doesn't want to do all that kind of stuff anymore. Right. And and it's only once Paul has become completely sexless, will he now start doing sexual songs again? Because it's got that kind of (laughs) marquee kick value to it. (laughs) Right. You, you, You know, like he's not a threatening pervy sex no. weirdo if he's no, right. unable to physically be that and i think in the same way that he did perfect timing in releasing driving rain 31 days exactly after 9-11 like paul knows exactly when he can pounce on something yeah. and make yeah. it his own um uh, one last one quickly favorite of the original five Beatles films it it pretty much has to be a hard day's night for me don't worry about the choice. There's every, no judgment. There's no judgment. Well, I, I, every time I sit down to watch Help, because I do love the songs from Help, and I love the fact that it's in color, uh, and I love their, their house that they all live together that's all connected. But every time I sit down to listen to Help, to watch Help, I always think to myself, oh, boy, yeah, it's lacking in plot, isn't it? I mean, I just sort of... Whereas I don't feel that with Hard Day's Night. With Hard Day's Night, I'm just under their charm for 90 minutes or however long it is. And I just find it's an absolute gem. 
Um, I also think Yellow Submarine is amazing mm-hmm. as an experience. I think it's really, it's beautiful to look at. And I enjoy watching all of them, you know, including even Let It Be, which I, which I used to love before we got Get Back. Um, because to me, it was like, wow, this is real insight. But it is a tough watch, uh, you know, just in terms of the color, the graininess, and just the fact that Michael Lindsay Hogg pretty much focused on the negativity. You know, mm-hmm. it's a tough watch. Which one is your favorite, Sam? Your favorite? It is Let It Be. Movie? It's Let It Be. Okay, yeah. Always okay. has been, but that's just my own idiosyncrasies brought forth in a, in, a, in, a, in an opinion, I think, more than anything. I think it's, yeah, it says I more mean, about me. It's still... It, but yeah, but it's still a fascinating watch, so I can totally understand. And it's also it the most honest of the more five. Than, more than anything, yeah. you know. I totally um, get that. I totally get that. But you think, love Get Back also, right? Uh, love isn't a word I would use to describe. Right. Yeah, it, Beyond love, right? It, it's, it's, you know, agape, that kind of Christian, all-encompassing love. Or like the love between yeah. a mother sees the child for the first time, you know. I I agree. For me, it, for me, it's beaten the anthology. I mean, I realized that the the anthology is the whole story, and I love it, and it's a part of my my teenage years. It's part of what made me a Beatles fan. But Get Back is like, oh, man, I go through so many emotions watching that film. That scene where Ringo and, and Paul are all on their own. And, uh, and then they'll you know, just they're, they're not, yeah. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Paul's going to cry? Like, yes, yeah. that that whole scene. I can't I can't watch that scene without getting really emotional. Mm-hmm. I, I'm and it's it to me it's a great moment of film. And the guy clearly did not realize that he was being filmed at that moment, or at least I don't think he realized it because they really were just waiting. Is John going to show up today? We know George isn't going to show up, but there's a chance we might hear from John. And then when someone tells him John's on the phone the way he sort of gets up and all of a sudden life is back in him. To, to me, it's like the most human display of uh, vulnerability, creativity, all those great things. I mean, man, what a piece of work. I need to go back to get back because I think I haven't developed many emotional connections with it because I had my, I've got to do three episodes in three days hat on and I was just thinking <laughs> okay, of right. points and zingers yes. more than anything. Yes, I get it. Right. Because when I saw Living in the Material World, it was just me, a couple of beers and a joint in the cinema. And it was just me making emotional yeah. connections with that movie. And yes. there are certain beats that I would just, regardless of how I'm feeling that day, I cry at this bit now. I cry at this bit now. I cry yes. at this bit now. And it, there's about uh, Ringo's, six. Um, yeah. Ringo's story about um, oh, it's a couple, you know, his yeah, daughter. Yeah. Be, yeah. Oh. Can't do it. I can't handle it. You know, there's that guy at the start who says, fly away, George. Uh, when yeah. he's behind those roses, Ray Cooper crying right at, right at the start. Yeah. Uh, Olivia Harrison saying, the secret to a good marriage, you don't get divorced. Like, like right. it, it, there's like really, there's really yeah. loads of poignant zingers in that show. That's one of uh, uh, the, the concert for George as well. I've probably developed emotional connections with more George Harrison media than I have Paul media. Because I don't have to make content about George Harrison media. Right, right. I get it. I totally get it. Let's start transitioning to what we're here to talk about today, though. Yes. And with a transitionary question, uh, what are some of your favorite Paul McCartney covers? There are quite a few I, I really love. Colleen Bailey Ray doing Bluebird 
uh, oh, from shit. the art of McCartney. Yes. Oh, I've got uh, that. Oh, we, oh, well, oh my God. I that. Re, re, revisit it. It's, it's a really gorgeous cover. I think it's pretty fantastic. Um, Fuck it, we'll do the episode if you if if you're up for it, bro. We'll go through the Art of McCartney all twenty eight discs yeah. of it. Oh my god! Well, uh, an- another one I love on the Art of McCartney is uh, Kiss's cover, or rather Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons' cover of uh, Venus and Mars and Rock Show. I think they did a great job because when you think of, about that track, that Wings track, it's Kiss. Yeah, it's like Wings' version of Kiss. It's the arena rock. It's celebrating being in an arena and rocking out, you know? Um, so I think those are pretty great covers. There's a cover of Every Night, which I am going to tell you the name of the artist right away, and it's going to e. take B. me Snow. Two. Oh, well, her cover is very, very nice indeed. Very nice, very soulful and sultry. But there's a cover I really want to tell you about, and I should be able to pull it up. Um, man looks in on computer. Odetta, uh, Hannah Diamond. Yes. But there's a version by a man called Billy Joe Royal. Write it down because it's going to knock you out. I promise you, Sam. Billy Joe Royal. And he recorded this, I believe, in the early 70s. So not long after McCartney came out the original McCartney album. Um, And his version is just absolutely fantastic. It it really, it's to me, it's amazing. I also love Joe Cocker's version of, I know it's a Beatles song, but uh, not with a little help from my friends, although that's great, but I love his take on, she came in through the bathroom window. Mm. Very, very good. You just, you you like the Abbey Road medley, clearly. You love the Abbey Road medley. I really do. I really do. There's nothing about Abbey Road I don't love, including Maxwell Silverhammer. I don't, it it bugs me the hate that that song gets. It really does. It it bothers me. (laughs) I I wake up in the middle of the night. I let it bother me that that much. Again, I equate this to, I wouldn't know George Martin didn't produce Let It Be unless someone hadn't told me. The Beatles sound, regardless of producer, was strong enough to carry on. Right. I'll die on that hill. That's another episode, I know. No, I, I agree. I feel that way about She's Leaving Home. People say, oh, you can hear that it's not George Martin on She's Leaving oh, Home. And, yeah, I, you know, I, I get what people are saying. It is a little bit, a little bit precious. It's a little bit too twee, perhaps. But can I really honestly say that I would have guessed that it wasn't George? No, I, yeah. I can honestly well, say I would have guessed. Yeah. No one dislikes Maxwell Silverhammer unless people have told me. I think people. True. Just, yeah, me neither. I, you know, is it just because your parasocial relationship, best friend, boyfriend, John Lennon and George Harrison said something negative about it once? Like, stop, yeah. being, stop being so precious. Um, right. I agree. I totally agree. Although I do like it whenever Paul is asked on the spot, like, did John like Maxwell or Amadou? Yeah, yeah I yeah. think you did, actually. I'm like, yeah. oh, oh, oh yeah. right, now, Paul, you're, now you're going a bit yeah. too far the other yeah, way. Yeah, I remember they were all quite keen on it in the beginning. You know? <laughs> yeah, in the beginning. Yeah. In the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> on the third day, maybe they had had enough, you know? Oh. But then that's, that's what bugs me, though, is that you see, I don't remember what the number is, but you look at the number of takes they did of Not Guilty. George's song. A song they didn't they did, include on the phone. Exactly. Yeah. They didn't even include it. And they did, I 
it, I think it's well over a hundred takes. Some Beatle nerd out there probably knows one hundred eighteen something, something like, like that. that. Something like that. Man so looks upset. Like, you carry on. Not guilty. Well, you know. So I sort of think to myself, wait a minute. You guys went through way too many takes of other songs as well. It wasn't just Oh Blood, Yo Blood Da and Maxwell Silverhammer. So please stop making it sound like only Paul had you doing songs over and over and over till you got it right. That is not the only time you guys did that. Simple as that. Possibly 101 slash 102. I think take 102 might be a mixture of two other takes. It's a lot of takes for a song you don't end up including on the album, wouldn't you say? No, but, you know, it's it's a bit like when people say, oh, is it worth Stanley Kubrick doing 100 takes? You're talking about his movie 40 right. years on, so... Right, right, probably. that's true. That's very true. For me, go-to covers would be like Live and Let Die, Guns N' Roses, of course. Yes. Mm-hmm. Screaming Jay Hawkins, Monkberry Moon to Light. Yes, that's a great one. It's a great one. But again, that falls into the category of scratchings Paul's desperate need to have black American artists cover his his music to give him some sort of validation that other well, artists don't give him. I'm not, I'm not even trying to be like controversial here. That, no, that is just something no, I've I, picked up I hear on. What you're, no, I hear what you're saying, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. However, I do find it exciting when um of course uh, entirely you know entirely yeah be- just because it shows the universe uh, the, the universal aspect of their appeal mm-hmm. of his appeal and their appeal yeah. well i mean i think a lot of it as well comes from the fact that with a lot of the black artists at least at that time as well there was a slightly different sound and timbre to voice and vocal styles and stuff and it proved that paul was that universal one that could write stuff for other people to sing. And then you've got Absolutely. John, who is writing what people will consider the better songs, the higher quality songs, the more consistent quality songs. No one's covering them. No Very true. You, you know, I mean, you'll Very get... True. I mean, okay, the more melodic ones, watching the wheels, imagine... I mean, yeah. where's Culture Club's cover of Number Nine Dream? Right, yeah, no Where's kidding. Where's Duran Duran's cover yeah. of oh yoko they can't do it yeah. and no i i agree though you know that paul is just dying for the same accolades that john has john is dying for the same accolades that right. paul has yeah yep and now folks we're going to take a little quick break from our chat with max komu about his album play mccartney we're going to slow things right down because it is now time for us to crack on with the matter of the Housekeeping! Right, first of all, what do we have in terms of McCartney news? Well, folks, um, unfortunately, uh, and I normally save the negative stuff towards the end of this segment, but it's a little too important to risk having you skip ahead to the rest of the conversation. Sadly, everyone, I regrettably uh, am here to report that Our man, Denny Lane, is in ill health and is in need of a helping hand across the water. There's a GoFundMe fundraiser that has been set up by his wife, Elizabeth Hines, and it reads as thus. Hello, this is Elizabeth Hines, Denny's wife, asking for a helping hand on Denny's behalf. As you may know, Denny has been going through health issues these past several months, which recently turned critical. 
For the past two months, he's been in and out of hospital concerning an illness in his lungs that developed after his short bout with COVID last year. He's had multiple tests, x-rays and scans that, that are ongoing, along with three surgeries. Most recently for a collapsed lung, which includes an inserted chest tube that is temporarily needed until his lung heals. He recently contracted a bacterial infection in his blood, which he's still battling, but seems to be under control. The doctors have explained once he's medically well, he will need several weeks of physical and occupational rehabilitation. Denny does not have medical insurance. The hospital has been working with us under this problem, but a rehabilitation centre, along with multiple lab work and specialists, will not. I'm asking for financial help to get Denny the medical care and recovery time he requires. It's important he concentrates on healing during this time. Our goal is to have his Gypsy Den home ready in time for his birthday. He wants to be able to play guitar again. Presently though, he's too weak. I want to thank you all in advance for your continued love, prayers, encouragement and support during this difficult time. Sincerely, Elizabeth Hines. Now folks, I will admit, when I first saw this, uh, especially because there's so much like Denny Lane fakery and impersonation on social media, like I was a little skeptical about this, so like I kind of reserved from posting about it right away, but once I read this and once I saw how much uh, traction it was getting in like other media sources that seemed to have verified it, and because GoFundMe is a very legitimate source, yeah, this does turn out to be true. It is awfully sad. It is awfully sad. You know, me and Denny are both Birmingham boys. I do feel a connection with him to some degree. You know, we're still blessed that he is with us and that he's been performing for so long and performing live for people and keeping the Wings spirit alive. And, you know, he has so many fans. We all love Denny. We all love Wings. We all love his solo stuff. And if you've got a spare couple of quid, I'm not going to do the Patreon this month. You know, if any of you have a spare few quid, folks, if any of you have a spare few dollars, you know, it's not like signing up forever like on my Patreon. If you've just got a few quid that you can spare just this month, please go to the GoFundMe uh, fundraiser that is in the links down below. Let's try and give Denny a little bit of love. He's given us so much over the years, so why not give a little bit back? Uh, you know, he's made... Uh, an impact on all our lives has given us a lot of joy so please seriously consider donating next up in more upbeat news we have some Beatles equipment being auctioned and when I say equipment I'm doing that to massive quotation marks basically a guitar string quote unquote believed to have been used by Sir Paul McCartney at the height of the Beatles fame is to be sold at auction the Epiphone acoustic guitar string was won in a competition in 1965 and sent to a fan following the Rubber Soul recording sessions. It is expected to fetch between three and five thousand pounds at a special auction in Newsbury, Berkshire, or Berkshire. The prize was won by David Cardy in a competition held by the monthly fan magazine The Beatles Book. The auction lot includes two letters from its editor, Johnny Dean. The first came with a one guinea prize and a promise of a piece of Beatles equipment, the guitar string. In his second letter, Mr. Dean wrote, This guitar string came from Paul's acoustic epiphone and was given to me by the Beatles after their last recording session. So that's really cool. 
uh, Beatles auction still going. I feel I feel like it's uh, a part of almost every news segment now. But this one I thought was particularly funny and worthy of inclusion because it's not like an instrument or anything. It is literally just a string, you know, and it's like just curled up, you know. <laughs> is it really worth having? I'm not too sure. Would I spend thousands of pounds on it even if I had that kind of money to throw away? Even then, I'm not too sure. But still, rather funny. Then, next up, apparently there may be even more McCartney-Rolling Stones collaborations in the near future. Uh, we spoke recently that Paul has already appeared on the Rolling Stones' next album, Hackney Diamonds. But whilst uh, Mick Jagger was promoting the album in the, the New York Times, um, he claimed that not only were the Stones already three-quarters of the way through their next album, like the one after Hackney Diamonds, but that their collaborations with Paul may not yet be over Either they planned ahead and recorded quite a lot in one go and ended up with more material to use, or that they are planning to collaborate again to meet up in the future. Either way, it seems like you know the people who are going to like Paul's turn on Hackney Diamonds are in for a real treat, and those who are not going to like it are not. Then, uh, this Wednesday, it was announced that the premiere and first ever operatic staging of Paul's Liverpool Oratorio will premiere at Cincinnati's Opera's Summer Festival, July 2024. The uplifting epic, as the copy put it, was Paul's first classical orchestral album, and it was recorded slash released in 1991 to commemorate the Royal Liverpool Philharmonic Orchestra's 150th anniversary. Again, we haven't really covered it on the show in much detail. I believe we mentioned it on the Flaming Pie or like the um, Off the Ground episode, perhaps. But yeah, we, we will get to it one day, I swear. When speaking on this premiere, Paul said, I'm writing to express my wholehearted support for this project. I believe the Cincinnati Opera is uniquely positioned to bring this work to life in a new way. And I have no doubt that your production will be an inspiring experience for all who see it. I look forward to its premiere next summer. Tickets for the Cincinnati Opera's 2024 Summer Festival are currently on sale, starting at £105 for the whole thing, but tickets for individual performances such as Paul's will go on sale on April 1st, starting at about $36. And finally, rather uh, serendipitously one might say, a person who we spoke about on the last episode is in the news. Mr. Nitin Sawney, the producer-composer who did the remixes for Fluid, the single from the second father album Rushes that we just covered, is to receive an honorary doctorate from the University of Huddersfield. Of course, for those who know Nitin and his work, this honorary doctorate is more than well-deserved, as are his other ones. How many other honorary degrees, I hear you ask? Well, he holds seven honorary degrees from other universities in the UK, as well as three fellowships. So yeah, I guess rather like Paul, this is just a little drop in the pond. But yeah, that is it with the news. Let's just quickly go through the plugs. To get in contact with the show, drop us an email at paulmccartneypod.gmail.com. Follow us on our Twitter, which is at McCartneypod. Check out the blog, which is paulmccartneypod.wordpress.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by typing in Paul or Nothing or Paul McCartney Podcast. Uh, YouTube is where you can find our sister show, Mac It In Your Attic, and you would have already met and got to know Max and his wonderful ways already if you were a fan of Mac It In Your Attic. It's on our YouTube page. Go check it out, folks. 
And if you want to help out the show right away, right now, in a way that takes less than 30 seconds, please leave us some sort of review, some form of interaction, folks, some clicks, whether it's a, a thumbs up, a like, a tick, a comment, some stars, a share, or even just shouting about it out of a car window as you go past someone on the street. Whatever it is, it's always greatly appreciated. And lastly, one last time, please go and check out Denny Lane's fundraiser. Let's go and do something good here, folks. Thank you very much. And with that, it is now time for us to go back to our conversation with Max Komu. Max Komu, maybe. I'm too embarrassed to ask at this point. But yeah, let's cut right back to our conversation. Three, two, one. Let's go. And with that, I think it's now time to discuss your new album. This is, yes. I've got I've got a big smile on my face saying, so this, this is really cool. I'm, I'm really excited for this. I'm really excited for you. This is out right now. It's called Play McCartney. It is available on all streaming platforms that I'm aware of. I've played some of the music on the show before. I'm sure you'll be hearing more of it on this episode, whether I get Max to uh, say that he'll give me the copyright on air or not, because that's how we do it here at Paul or Nothing. We laugh in the face of that little C in the circle. Yes. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm stealing I'm 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 taking the food out of out of your mouth. I do apologize, but it's all good. It's all good, Sam. Isn't that? I mean, we don't do you know we we do this for the love of McCartney. I think that is clear. We do in in in, in both of our passions. And yes, what I find most appealing besides the music, the music's good. I like the album. I'm plugging it, folks. Not because I need to, because I love Max and I want him to have a bigger audience. Sue me. I'm going to be completely transparent here. Go out and download it now. I've already got my download. You're listening to the show now. I've got mine. Go there give some go. love to Max. Go listen. We'll wait. Just, just wait. Don't say anything. Yes. Give go. Me a moment. Go right ahead. Go give it a like on uh, Spotify <laughs> on yeah. whatever platform. Share it. On. Share it. Share comment. it. Do all of those things. Uh, comment. That's I, right. I mean, uh, it's on YouTube as well, I believe. Yes, it is. Indeed. It's called Play McCartney. And it is something that all Paul McCartney fans have wanted to do and have probably had the fantasy of doing in their own head. But you've actually gone and done it and made a McCartney covers album. It has a distinct mood. It has its own vibe. We're going to get into the, uh, the compositions and the instrumentation shortly. I'm excited to touch on that. But what I want to say is, folks, it will appeal to the average McCartney fan because it's got all the ones you'd expect. But it's going to appeal to the super nerd as well because there are some real deep cuts and some interesting interpretations of classic melodies. Starting off, when did you first have the idea for this project and how long was it before you started recording? Um, I had the idea for the project a few months before he turned 80. Um, mm -hmm. it, it was nagging at me, uh, in January of that year, I knew it was coming on June 18th, which is so 2022 is when he turned 80. Um, and so, and I had had it in the back of my mind for years, but the thing with McCartney is the, the truth is the world does not need any McCartney covers. McCartney's songs are out there for us to enjoy even the outtakes uh you can find them on youtube uh, the rarities you can find them just about anywhere so the world does not need mccartney covers however 
the idea of doing it with a jazz approach, and I, I'm careful with that word because people tend to, some people tend to associate the word jazz to free jazz and the mm -hmm. sort of idea that we're not really respecting the melody. We're not, listen, there's still straight ahead There's none of that. There's none of that. And you're not going to listen to the intro of one of the songs and and wonder what in the world is this unless you're really not familiar with this song which might be the case and uh, on one or two tracks but um i met malik rashan who is the uh, very talented jazz pianist who mm -hmm. uh, who accompanies me on the album and um he was looking for a project and I was looking for a pianist because the idea of doing it on guitar or the idea of doing it too straightforward, too much in the way of McCartney, that seemed a little pointless to me because the original recordings are flawless. Even the ones that are full of flaws are flawless because that's the way we want them. You know, the little mistakes, the little flubs, the little this and the that, it's part of the magic of the song, you know? So... I wanted, if I was going to do a covers album, I wanted A, for it to have its own voice and its own approach and feel. And this idea of, hey, this is an album that would be ideal for dinner parties, ideal for late nights with a bottle of wine, a little J. Uh, that's one of those, this is one of those albums. That was the intention. Dude, I so, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but one of my notes here, and uh, just to... Um peek behind the curtain a little uh, max has seen a few of my questions but there are a few things i had i withheld from him intentionally one of my notes here is what i love about this album is that with just a little push into corniness it would be the perfect lounge artist album in a hotel in spain yeah literally absolutely. I, I can imagine like, absolutely um, hello yeah uh, pedro where's yes. my room key and just absolutely absolutely I wanted it to be. Uh, <laughs> I wanted it to be a pleasant, warm listen, and the other thing I wanted to do was to perhaps shine the spotlight on some songs that are a little less known, and that was another one of the things I wanted to do because you know you and I, Sam, and everyone who's listening to your podcast, I'm sure we're deep McCartney fans. So we know the songs he gave away. We know the songs that would have been on cold cuts. We know the songs that showed up on the deluxe reissues, the archive editions. We're those passionate fans. That's not the majority. Most people mm -hmm. do not know those songs. However, we know them. And we know that some of them are perhaps better than what made the albums. And so I wanted to make sure that I didn't want to go too deep into obscurities, but I wanted to shine the spotlight on songs that aren't obvious. You know, we were at the very beginning of the, al the album sessions. Um, we uh, actually recorded Got to Get You Into My Life and Long and Winding Road. But we chose not to include them. And who knows, maybe we'll mm -hmm. release them at some point down the line. But we chose not to include them because I thought to myself, even though I was really proud of the job we did, with those songs, particularly got to get you into my life, which we kind of really transformed. I just felt like there are countless excellent covers of these songs, 
you know, mm-hmm. and the originals are great. So I didn't feel like I was doing what I wanted to do, which was let's shine the spotlight on Paul. This is about Paul. And so I wanted it to be all post Beatles songs. When Malik and I perform live, uh, we do the long and winding road. Mm-hmm. We do yesterday. We even do Blackbird, actually, and I, I'm really proud of our version. However, I wanted to focus on the Flaming Pie songs, the Chaos and Creation songs. And if I could, you know, if, if it was one of those things that I was doing and, you know, making tons of money off of, you know, I'd probably release a new volume every six months because they're such great songs that, hey, what better than to deep dive into a McCartney song learn it, interpret it, live it. It's, it's amazing. And what was great with Malik is he's from the Bahamas. And so he knows the Beatles and Mm -hmm. he knew a couple of these songs. He certainly knew maybe I'm amazed, but he wasn't familiar with the vast majority of songs. And to him, it was mind blowing that this man well into now 81 years old is still composing songs that are really fantastic. I think Malik's favorite song on the entire album was Women in Wives. Oh, oh, I thought you were saying Women in well, Wives, but close well, enough. He, close enough. He, yeah. he, he absolutely loves Women and Wives, but Jenny Wren just blew his mind. He couldn't believe that he did not know this song. He felt like this should be a standard. And I told Malik, I said, you know what? Maybe this is a dark thought, but maybe... Maybe we're going to have to wait for McCartney to leave. Well, you know, for for more people to realize, you know, the standards aren't only in the Beatles uh, backlog. They're in his solo career all over. Whether you're talking about even a weaker album like Driving Rain that still features your way, your loving flame. Um, You know, he's got gems on every single album. And that's what I wanted to shine the, the light on, basically. Oh, there's so much to reply to there. I don't know where to begin. Let's talk about piano and jazz and the kind of... Yes. I'm not going to say easy listening because that conjures too many negative connotations. No, what, I mean, but I mean, it does what, have... Was there a, It does a, have that vibe. Did you consciously try to steer away from Ackerbilk, though? You know what I mean? That kind of 80s, late 70s... This is your granddad's easy listening. Did it? I mean, because being on piano solely, that kind of already invites a certain regality sure. and yes. refinedness that I guess uh, would kind of strip away certain other elements that McCartney might be working with. Were there any songs that just weren't appropriate? Like, can you do She's My Baby with regal See, jazz piano? I, I think that might be a bit tricky. I think it'd be more, I think, well, see, Bib Bop, I am sure would be very difficult, you know, to sort of, and I, and I enjoy Bib Bop, you know, I get a kick out of Bib Bop, but I couldn't see that working. However, you know, I'm a little bit sad that we didn't do tomorrow from wildlife. You know, Uh, I don't know that I could have sung it. What is there for murder as good as Paul? What can Malik do with that, though? It's just right. Bum, well, bum, you know, bum, 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 but but maybe we could have slowed it down and and made it more. You know, you remember how there's the story of was it Linda's father who used to say to Paul that he should re-record it as a ballad? Yeah, I think so. I think I think I've heard that story. But anyway, so it might have been it might have been interesting to revisit it and just take maybe a do it like I want to see approach. do it like Shatner, like tomorrow. Yes. 
Please, don't you let me down. Down tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, top ten people a who bag are... of bread and cheese. <laughs> it's getting a bit Travolta-esque now. You got to bring <laughs> the cheese. Yeah. You don't touch the my cheese. hair. The catalog is so rich that, I mean, we could go on for hours about songs. In fact, poor Malik had to put up with me Almost every week when we'd meet up, I'd say, um, let's try this. Kind of, there, there's this song called Distractions. Um, no, you can't. It's really That's great. already jazz. You can't throw that. It is. It is. It is. But you know what? I That's one of those songs that I kind of like, oh, man, I wish we'd done Distractions because I find it sad that nearly nobody knows what Distraction is. Even lovers of Flowers in the Dirt seem to never notice or never mention that song. Not... You know, they always mention My Brave Face and this one and and maybe We Got Married, but they almost never mention distractions and distractions it's because, to me Max, is like... of our transphobic society, they can't handle the fact that there's a man with a woman's name on that track. They can't handle it. They can't. <laughs> right. Yes, that story of uh, Linda worrying that it was going to be some, uh, some hot lady and in yeah. the end, nope. Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, I'd hate to be an attractive woman around Linda McCartney when Paul McCartney's near. It's like, yes, especially if yes. you genuinely have no attraction to Paul, but say if you're quite an affable, friendly person. Yes. Oh, yes. You, you, you're dead, bitch. You're dead. Oh, she's taking you, you down. Are. Oh. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, L- Linda seemed Linda seemed a little possessive. I mean, from, no. from what I see, from what I hear... I mean, I adore Linda, so... No, but I, find, I find that... I mean, as an egomaniac, I find that quite sexy, so... You know, I get it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she adored him, and this she... Yes, absolutely. Love it. Absolutely love it. There's a scene that I thought about uh, earlier today when George is going, oh, I couldn't have written this song if it was on the guitar, so I had to write it on the piano instead. Right, right. That was all Ban of course, in the Get Back film. Were there any yes. songs where you tried to approach them and it's like, look, this could work, but the way this is played on the guitar just doesn't transpose to the piano. Not even like melody specifically, just the transposition of guitar to piano. Because there's a lot of guitar focused songs that are on oh, this yeah. album. Absolutely. Well, I mean, one of the things that was a bit tricky making the album and and it's to me, it's kind of rewarding because it's our most streamed song from the album. But our approach to coming up is a little unconventional. We don't really stick to what he is riffing on the guitar on the uh, released McCartney two version. And how would the, you? You know, how how well, can you how can you do the David Byrne? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and so I had to sort of myself let go of that idea as enamored as I am with coming up because it's truly one of my favorite Paul songs. And I just sort of had to say to Malik, you go and you do whatever you want with it. I mean, I had to like it, which I did, but um, I just had to let go of that idea of the riff. And so that, that was a, that was a challenging one, but I really wanted to record that song. It, it means so much to me. It was the number one song the uh, day I was born. That's cool. So to me, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, so, uh, for me, it's 
when winter comes that was recorded on the day i was born so yes that's, that's yes my, uh, oh there you go oh that's awesome on the actual day september 3rd 1992 yeah oh that's great that's great fantastic. day was also recorded that day there and you go another one was um uh send in an email to i don't give a shit at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com um <laughs> yeah well isn't it probably one of those outtakes that's on the collection uh it's not. It's not fantastic. That other song. I don't think so. Oh, fuck it's it. an outtake, um, isn't it? Great day, Paul McCartney project. Shout out to the Paul McCartney. But I mean, project. when winter comes and great uh, day, those are two no, no, but fantastic if, if, songs. It'll it'll uh, record. Bloody hell, Calico Skies was recorded the same day as well. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, well, okay, well. Yeah. See, there you go. Now that's. That's almost like I'm down. I've just seen a face yesterday level, as far as I'm concerned. Those are three fantastic songs. Yeah, it nearly is. I mean, they're three of his best acoustic songs ever of his entire career. I'll, I'll, I'll stand by that one hundred percent. Coming up was a fun song for me because, like, um, the the instrumental breakdown in that one is is like one of the Star Wars prequels. It just throws. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like eight different synths going, going, going uh, on. And then Malik it completely goes right. I well, first of all, I imagine he probably goes, I can't do that. So now he's got to work within a limitation which will spark some sort right. of cre- creativity. Right. And what you get is this very laid back, very chilled out. Um, like not I'm not gonna say not attempting to do the melody, because that's not what I mean, but He's he's gone down a different path. It, it, it's exactly like, yeah. yes, that's and fair. He definitely went really down his own path. Yes, and I'm really happy that he did that and that we went that way because, of course, part of me loves the originals so much that you know initially I think I wanted it like as close to the original as possible. But then I was like, you know what? Just the way Paul did it on the '89 uh, '90 tour with those like. Get on up, you know, those mm-hmm. little, it's on the, the tripping live, fantastic. Even that's like a reinvention of the song. So I figured, you know what? We're allowed to reinvent this song. We can go about it the way we want. And if people don't like it, skip to the next track. That's how I well, figure. With like a track like that, where you really can't do a one-for-one copy of the riff, the bass, and the yeah. percussion yeah. all on one instrument... Is right. that you in the studio with a metronome singing and then Malik starts building up around you, kind of like modern synth players where they kind of just they build it up around you? Or is it no, the, riffing and you join in? Or the, the way we went about it is he would come to my place um, once or twice a week and we'd sit down, we'd listen to some tracks and some would automatically sort of like he'd gravitate towards some in particular. And then he'd sit down at the piano and he'd try things out. And I would say, mm, maybe if you go a little bit more this way or that way. And sometimes I'd just shut up and let him, you know, take over. Because sometimes his, most of the time, actually, his instincts were so great that it was like, you know what? I mean, he clearly knows what he's doing. So... Let's go. And once in a while, I'd tell him, you know what? Let's try it in a different key because God knows nobody can sing like Paul. And we'd play around it. But we really rehearsed the heck out of these songs before going into the studio. 
Um, and we went into the studio in several different sessions. We would go in, we'd do two, three songs tops, and then we'd leave and we'd go back a month later. We took our time. I would have liked us to release the album for his 80th birthday. All we had ready for the 80th birthday uh, back in 2022 was the first single we put out, which was Single Pigeon. And I believe uh, maybe uh, if, I, uh, if I Take You Home Tonight was the B-side. I can't even remember what we chose as the B-side. Uh, um, my Valentine. Oh, it was my Valentine. Okay, there you go. Oh, right. I think I think I picked my Valentine because I knew that Single Pigeon was going to be an obscurity for most people. But I also know that my Valentine, even though it's a more recent Paul song, it seems to transcend. People know that song. They know it through Michael Buble. They know it through John Pizzarelli. They know my Valentine. They've heard it. Look, I think they've heard it for two reasons. One, because it's the song they hear when they go into the toilet in the middle of the gig. And it's because Paul, not obnoxiously, but wants to give a passing nod to Nancy and give her some yes. level of credence that Linda has. He's going to give her a mid-tier, mid-level, mid-quality song every gig. And she's getting... My, my right. Valentine will never not be in a set list. I don't think... No, I think you're probably right. And it's weird because, you know, he also wrote Appreciate and he wrote the fantastic, as far as I'm concerned, the fantastic Alligator for Nancy. And I love Alligator. It's one of I my want Heather in the show, dude. I want Heather in the show. Yeah, and you know what? He could do Heather and just stick to the instrumental. Doesn't need to do that. Oh, uh, I want. I want to do Heather to be. To, 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 to well, be you know what? And and you know what? We actually considered Heather, but I think the reason, and this is this is sort of silly and unfair, I guess. But I think one of the reasons why I didn't really want to do Heather is just because of the name of the track. I mean, no disrespect to to Heather. You also got uh, to think Heather about Mills. your bottom line as well, you know. Well, it's just there was something about it that just sort of like it's still kind of a dark chapter in the McCartney story, you know. Well, it's interesting I mean, though because but I love that track though. I love that track. You've got piano songs on the album. None of them yeah. have a piano riff. None of them have That's a, true. None of them have That's a, true. Uh you, you know like the uh, the demo for She's My Baby. Right. Right. Or it doesn't right. have um da-na-na, and I, yeah. I reckon maybe that wasn't conscious, but I don't think you and Malik could do your, your jazzy thing if it's got a riff to it. And I think a lot. And that I think, even I think we could, to, but I think it would come off like differently, and maybe it would sound a little forced. Whereas mm. I wanted it to sound sort of organic. Same thing with maybe I'm amazed. Maybe I'm amazed is no doubt the best known song that we covered, but I didn't want us to just do maybe I'm amazed because. No one's going to touch Paul's original, including that the Faces version, which I've heard so, some people so say hard. that that's a, yeah, it's just all right. I've heard some people say that it's the definitive version. I'm like, are you crazy? The McCartney version is the definitive version and Wings Over America is also fantastic. But, you know, McCartney owns maybe I'm amazed. No, no. So <laughs> I, I, I wanted us to take a more jazz approach for lack mm. of a better term, you know, just sort of like let's, let these songs breathe and let's not try and duplicate. Let's bring in our own flavor and not, you know, do a carbon copy. 
it made me start thinking, and this is why like it got me thinking about other other things, which is the purpose of true art, in my opinion. It made me wonder: is that why McCartney writes better songs for covers because he doesn't have riffs? Because McCartney, as one of the world's greatest guitarists, refuses. He refuses to write Day Tripper again. And right, because right. if if you've got a riff, you know, if you go blah, 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 Smiths, you know, uh, right, you yeah. know, you know who who it is down and out. True. Down and yeah, down. very true. And if you don't have a riff, you don't immediately know it's Paul McCartney. And that might be some of the magic to it, because. I mean, one of my big pet hates is when a cover is announced as a cover. Sophie Ellis Bexter here in the UK, she's having a lot of success with her kitchen disco tour at the moment. And it'll be, this is Dancing Queen. And it's like, no, no, just just let me enjoy the opening to dance. And, and, you know, and then it'll be like, you know, don't say it. I know what the song is. (laughs) Yeah. Right, I know who the Bee Gees are. Let yeah. it let us take it in. Yeah, but yeah, uh, what else is there to talk about? Um, oh, uh, were there any other songs that didn't make the cut uh, or didn't make the tra- the track listing for whatever reason? I mean, come on, is there going to be the archive version of Play McCartney in thirty years? Well, you know, one thing that I think would be great is, you know, I I really I've spoken to Malik about the possibility of reconvening for a similar, you know, a sort of sequel project a few years down the line. Um, a live one would be nice as well. A live one would be fun. A live one would be very nice. Yes, there's a couple of great jazz venues in Montreal where we re- could record it at, and that would bring out a different energy for sure. Um, yeah, the truth is, is there are so many songs I would have loved for us to tackle. Um, so yes, absolutely. There are others. I'm trying to think of specific ones that we explored and decided not to. I'll tell you one thing though. One of my favorite moments on the entire album is the opening track, the song we were singing. Um, I had this idea of giving it the same sort of approach, the same sort of rhythm as Dave Brubeck's take five, which is like, you know, uh, 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 you know, a beyond standard jazz standard. And once we started playing around with that rhythm. We always came back to the song to sing, you know, we always came back to the song to sing. And we ended up with something that I'm, I'm really excited about. And so, so I'm really particularly proud of that one. Mm. And I also love what we did with every night. We had my friend Marshall Harridge, who's a great upright bass player, who came in and, and did added a little upright bass on there. We didn't want to have special guests on the album, but we figured, you know what? Just a little upright bass. Does he do backing we'll vocals help. as well? Uh, uh, that, that's that all me. Oh, that's all, all me. Oh, God. Yeah. oh wow. That's... Oh, yeah, and it's sort really of it's sort of it's sort of strange because with those backing vocals, normally I would have spent a couple of hours working them out and layering them. But I was in the mood that day, which I know McCartney gets into that mood himself sometimes, but I was in a mood where I wanted us to just lay it down and not overthink anything. So I went in and I did oh, I did it once and then I did it. You have to hold the earphones as well. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yes. Or else it or else it won't record. Yeah. yeah, Uh, yeah. but um, so I did it like three times in different tones, and we listened to it and we were like, yeah, 
it's it's a little messy, but it works. And we just we loved it. We decided, ah, let's not overthink this. It works. Let's keep it as is. So it was one of those things. I didn't want us to overthink anything on the album. We worked on practicing them and on and on arranging them. But once we got into the studio, I didn't want us to spend eight hours there over you know, one song. I wanted us to just go and feel them as best as we could and capture the moment. And the ones um, that ended up on the album are the ones that we felt, yeah, this feels like it's honest and it, and it, and it's from our hearts and here you go. Was there any resistance to putting the songs we were singing as the opening track because it's already an opening track? None. No, none none whatsoever, because I really felt that we were saying two important things with that song. First of all, with the sort of my uh, discreet homage to Dave Brubeck Mm -hmm. uh, in in the rhythm that that Malik plays. Mm -hmm. I think that states that we're doing a jazz album. So just so you know, this is going to be a jazz covers album. Mm -hmm. So I felt that it was saying that. And the other thing I felt the song was saying was yes, we are always going to come back to the song we were singing. And the song is the McCartney songbook. So whether it's I'll Follow the Sun or When Winter Comes, we'll always come back to this man's songs, these songs that we love, you know. If you're a McCartney fan, you know, you'll always go back to these songs. And even if you're not a McCartney song, chances are there are at least one or two songs from his repertoire that you love, you know? I've met people who know nothing, nothing about the Beatles, and yet Yesterday is one of their most streamed songs on their Spotify. And so it just goes to show, some people don't care about the story, about who they were, but the songs are so great that they transcend any interest you may or may not have in the Beatles or in Paul. Simple as that. That's how great the songs are. You did a version of When the Wind is Blowing, which, yes. must have, which must have given you a bit of a nerdgasm, as I imagine. What yes. are the odds of you and Malik doing an entire Rupert the Bear album cover so that there's at least one version available on Spotify for me to listen to? Well, you know what? That's the kind of thing that, honestly, if someone were to approach me with, a good amount of enthusiasm for a project like that. Yeah. I jump, I I jump on board. Yeah, but I, I don't even but want if, you to do anything interesting with it. Just, uh, just you know, like uh, stick straight to it. Yeah. You know when Gus Van Sant remade Psycho and it was a shot. Psycho, shot, yeah. Re- yeah. Mm-hmm. I want yes. you. I want you to get well, Ellen DeGeneres' girlfriend and make yes. uh, Rupert yes. the Bear. The al- yes. The album. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, there are a couple of, you know, there's a great lost album by Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks, their first solo album called Buckingham Nicks from 1973. Mm. And uh, they're fighting and they're, you know, constant bickering at one another has prevented that album being re-released. So it hasn't been in print since the mid seventies, basically. And that's an album that I wish somebody had the nerve to like re-record shot by shot, just so that it's out there because mm. people should know these songs. People that are fans of either Stevie Nicks or Lindsey Buckingham or Fleetwood Mac should know this album. 
you know, I mean, but then again, it's on YouTube. Same, same goes for Rupert the Bear. You know, you can find those outtakes on YouTube if you really want to, you know? No, but sometimes I, I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm like, there are people out there who think they are Paul McCartney fans and they don't know what Atlantic Ocean is. And they yeah, don't know that, know. That, 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 that that there's two versions of it with different they, lyrics. They 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 don't they, know hang glide. They've never heard. Oh, you know one song reverse. that I <laughs> from six. You know one song. Music, yeah. I'm not even sure that I know reverse. Actually, is that it's an just, actual? It's just, it's just like. Oh yeah, so it's like oh, it's just, okay, it's all just right, interesting. Backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a song. Um, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna get the title right. I'm gonna probably screw up a word. Praying mantis you, half something weird like that. Or <laughs> SMA. You know that um, that um, off the ground outtake. Uh, don't want to be kicked around no yeah. more. Cracking tune. That that is a song that I really wanted Long Leather Coat to explore. Long Leather Coat is great. But something about um, don't want to be kicked around no more. I'd love to hear that with an acoustic piano and a vocal. Just well, stripped down. Yeah. If, if you're doing long I think it'd be coat, interesting. He'd have to play it like um, average person. Right. You know, you just brought up average person. You would look at average person. No, I, no. Oh, I, okay. thought, I thought you might ask me what my least favorite Paul song ever was. Is it? And is it's it, average it, person. It's average person. Really? I've just yes. listened with Sam Pobbs a piece episode. I love that tune so much. Boxer. There's, <laughs> I, I, I there, there's something about that song where it's, it's like it's like Chaz and Dave, you know. <laughs> I I get what you're saying, and it's definitely got a great comedy element. But I find it's the only McCartney song where I actually find he comes off a little. A, a little above it all. Oh like, yeah! Look oh, at oh. the average person. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That yeah, bugs yeah, yeah. me. Just that line bugs me. Look at I the average that, person. Yeah. He he likes to refer to himself as an average person. Working class. You know, guy. there's exactly there's Paul McCartney, the star, but there's the guy that I am, the average. Look at the average person. It just bugs me. I I I find it. Ugh, I find it icky. I, I really dislike that song. I mean, I don't, I'm such a McCartney fan that I'll still listen to it if I'm listening to Pipes to Peace. And I don't think it's terrible. I just think eh, it bugs me. I'm not Look, a fan of that. Song. At least you didn't say it's the other me because you don't like the dustbin lid line. No, no. Like, I, I actually love That's a litmus test me. for me. If you don't like the and, dustbin lid line, no true yeah. Scotsman are you. You're not my kind of McCartney fan. I, I've I've actually seen uh, dustbin lid was actually a question on Jeopardy once. Uh was this was this Ken was, Jennings or was this um the, uh, No, this was Alec Trebek uh, okay. era, like the classic <laughs> Jeopardy. My boy Ken and oh. And it and it didn't have anything to do with the other me. It just had to do with the fact that it's a slang expression that oh. means kid, right? That's what it means, right? A kid, yeah. or is it a bad um, kid or a yes, naughty kid? Yes, stupid kid, maybe, or yeah, right. So it's like it's slang. So and you no, know, that line never bothered me. I hope someone got. Plus, a true I love his ball. breathing on that song. Yeah. I love his uh, close to the mic, like. You know, oh. all the breathing he does on the other me. I think it's great. Paul, why don't you do more scatty stuff? Like, yes. you know, like, yes. um, like you, uh, Heart of the uh, Country. Um, happy with you. 
Yes. 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 That, I mean, I'm a huge Tom that would Waits be something. guy. Uh, in 2004, Tom, Tom Waits did Real yes. Gone, where he did beatboxing. And yes. he, he made it his own. And Paul is a man who makes every instrument his own. I'm like... Very much so. I mean, I'm the kind of guy who wants Kanye West to produce the next Paul McCartney album, so you can see where my ideas are being seeded. I am uh, I am so not against that idea. You know, I think I, I think Paul being taken out of his comfort zone is almost always a recipe for something fascinating and interesting. And I love that. <laughs> Kanye, I'm looking for a word to run with bigger. No, no, oh, yeah, Paul, no, don't, no, no, don't no, go Paul, there. Don't go no. there. No. <laughs> no, so, uh, it's got to be you know bigger, you know. Um, yeah, I'm, no. I'm I'm laughing. I'm in stitches. But um, what are the type of women I want to be bringing to the club with me? Uh, oh, Paul, please, yeah. please, please don't do <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yes, please don't indeed. Oh, no. Um, who else could produce the next McCartney album? Anyone but Dave Grohl. I've got too much Dave Grohl in my Beatle world at the moment um i mean i'd like mark ronson to come back uh i like yes, what happened yes on you. yes um, absolutely i so agree i love mark ronson kirsten can yes, come I, back as well greg uh sure I'll, sure i'd be more excited about mark ronson though to be totally honest mm -hmm. with you uh danger mouse the guy from gnarls bark yeah, yeah i think i think that could be really interesting um yeah, I just, I really hope there's a new album announced very soon. I'm dying for a new album. Um, wh why isn't there a series of reimagines working backwards? Why isn't there Egypt Station reimagined? Uh, you know, that why? could be very interesting. Yeah. It could be lucrative. That could be interesting. It could be lucrative. Yes, indeed it could. Indeed it could because if you, anybody you only need likes. one worthwhile cover per. That's pretty true. That's pretty true. Yes, I agree. You were uh, Billy Irish. Do you mind um, singing "Gratitude," yeah. Max's favorite yeah. song on the next album? <laughs> and, and she just yeah, goes I, like, "Gratitude." Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I'd love to hear that. I'd love to hear that. Bring it on. Oh, Bring look, it on. Look, I, I will say without irony that one of the best Bond songs of the last thirty years was the Billy Irish one. Um, I agree. But I absolutely agree. And right behind it is the Madonna one that no one likes as, as well. Die, die another day. I'm not super keen on that one. I love the song that they rejected uh, that Radiohead recorded, Spectre. Oh, that's a great. Have you heard the rejected Man with the Golden Gun theme by Alice Cooper, the band Alice Cooper, not the no, song? No, I don't. No, I have not. I'll look it up though. It's, it's great. So good. Wow. It's got. Oh, okay. It, it's, it's got like a proper classic chorus refrain that you'll okay. be singing wow. along yeah it's okay i'll definitely check it out all of sure. my all of my friends recommend me music i don't recommend their music my the only two i've got to my name are discovering saint vincent before my friends and right. and discovering the man with the golden gun by alice cooper those are my only two claims to fame well those are pretty i mean saint vincent's catalog is amazing and Hey, uh, Alice, did he actually submit it to the, uh, yeah, the to, Bond to, people? Uh, right. To, to Eon, yeah. And, okay, uh, wow. These are the wow. same people that rejected Spielberg as a director. So, like, they've got right. uh, they've got a vision yeah. of what they want. And go yeah, on. and they rejected a radio ad song. I mean, that, that says it all for me. I mean, come on. Because <laughs> anyway. Bond's a creep. <laughs> Bond's <Yeah. laughs> a weirdo. 
what the hell is he doing here in Cuba? Yes, exactly. What is he? <laughs> right. Let's round this out with one little qu- – I mean, all these questions have been for you. The episode has been for you, but let's just have one question for me. On a scale of one to ten, with one being mostly intending entirely, how inspired were you by Paul or Nothing during the recording of your Here's the honest – Here's the honest to goodness truth, Sam. I would say at least a seven. And here's, here's <laughs> why. And, and I mean this. I'll tell you why. Uh, the pandemic the pandemic is what turned me on to podcasts. Because before that, mm-hmm. I was like, no, I don't want to hear people talk. I want to hear music. But the pandemic, it was like there was so much time. <laughs> and I, I, and yeah. I started with, I'll, I'll tell you, I started with, I am the egg pod, Chris Shaw's uh, Beatles podcast. And then I started branching out and Paul or nothing is one of the podcasts that was suggested to me through the algorithms. And I remember one of the first things I listened to of yours, or at least this is how I remember it is a deep dive listening uh, session with uh, wildlife where you were just listening to wildlife and commenting as it went along. Um, I seem to remember that as being one of the first things I heard. And I remember thinking, this is awesome because this is the kind of shit that I do on my own. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't impose that to my friends. At least I, oh, hope I, I do. I do. Uh, well, I do at times. I yeah. do at times, but most of the time, if I'm really monologuing about an album as I'm listening to it, you know, I'll, I'll do it with myself or I'll do it with my cats. Cause I don't want to, I, you know, I don't want my friends thinking that I'm trying to teach them something. You know, I just want them to enjoy the music. And once in a while, I'll tell them things like, you know, Linda's the one that suggested doing a reggae uh, <laughs> this song, you know. I'll throw in a little tidbit here and there just because yeah. I can't resist, right? That's you're that, a nerd or you're the, not, that's right? That's the entire Campbelltown pipe band. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, um, so, yeah, but my point is, is that podcasts did play a role because I thought to myself, you know what? There are people out there that are passionate about this man's catalog. And there are fans out there that are more excited about the lesser known songs than they are about the classics. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those. I mean, I love the classics. I love Hey Jude, but I'd rather you never give me your money just because I feel True like fans I, don't listen to classics. Well, you know, <laughs> you know or, if you, if you love they, an artist, they do hate. if it's on a, Right. They do if it's on the vinyl, but they might not play it on its own. You know, like I I rarely put on Hey Jude just for the sake of listening to Hey Jude because I've been there a thousand times. You know, see, the way you do it is if you're a Lennon fan, you only listen to the songs he said he likes. So you only have to listen to about four songs, you know. Right. Exactly. It's pretty (laughs) limiting, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, no, honestly, thank you so much for coming on, man. This has been really fun. I've, I've, it, it, it's nice to have a kind of serious episode mixed in with a not-so-serious episode at the exact same time. It's, right. It, I've, I've just had so much fun chatting, Paul. You know, I've tried to plug the album, but as I imagined what would have happened, we just started talking about Paul McCartney. Uh, so with that in mind, we're going to bring things entirely to a halt. Folks, go out now and check out Play McCartney, the new album by my guest Max Komu. He is an incredibly talented singer, compositionalist, instrumentalist. His um, partner Malik on this album is an incredible pianist, very evocative. 
very uh, interesting directions of this album. Oh my God, one last question. Whose idea was it yes. to uh, extend Single Pigeon? Um, um, I think it was my idea because I felt like... Um, I felt like it needed to be more than just a minute 50. I didn't want it to go on for six minutes either. That's and you don't have the brass as well. To... well. Well, exactly. So, but I did want Malik to do a bit of a solo on it because I wanted it to, um, I wanted it to really just stand on its own as a track and not just feel like a little ditty, uh, the way it sort of feels like on Red Rose Speedway. And there's nothing wrong with it coming off the way it does, like a little ditty. I love it the way it is. But I felt like we needed to exploit it a little bit more. It's musically rich. It's melodically rich. And so I told Malik, have a bit of a solo on it, you know. And I, I think he, uh, it's a very tasty solo. I think he did a great job with it. I think it's a really good uh, elevator pitch selling point for the album, or at least just one song. Like if you were to appear on a Spotify playlist of McCartney covers, that's the one I'd pick because if I had 10 seconds to explain to someone why this is different, I'd be like, ah, oh, like, like, he, he nearly doubles the length of Single Pigeon. Interesting. I mean, yes, that, that would be my window into, you know, uh, that would be and my shiny, happy people for me to check out the rest of the album. And also, it's one of those songs that us McCartney enthusiasts love, but it never a, gets it's, covered. It, it's, it is a bit of a, a lighthouse there. It's a bit of a beacon. It's you going... I, I, know, I think it is. I yeah. think it is, you know. And it features on an album called Play McCartney, which is available now in all available streaming options. Uh, I think the vinyl will be coming out in 2093, uh, something like that. Well, you know uh, what? I, I'm I'm telling you, I would love, I mean, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I would love us to produce a few vinyl copies for Christmas coming up. That's something I'll that's buy a one. possibility. I'll buy one. Come on. That's one. And plus, I, 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 I love the album artwork. Uh, so oh, I think it we, haven't talked, we haven't talked about that. Um, the album artwork is really my, fun, it's, folks. It's my little yellow submarine Paul doll on uh, Malik's uh, Yamaha acoustic uh, baby grand piano. And it's uh, a picture that was taken by Emil Kim, and I just love the picture. So, yeah, I think it look, it would look great on a vinyl. Why not? Let's try it. And in true Paul or nothing tra uh, tradition, the legalities behind it, throw that to the fucking wind, my friend. Uh, who cares about you know, any of that? I'm, I'm, I'm going to send you, Sam, a an MP3 or a, or a wave or whatever of when the wind is blowing. And this is why I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it because, little secret, the version that is on all streaming platforms sucks is actually, no, I mean, no, I'm, I'm quite <laughs> pleased with it, but, but my acoustic guitar comes in later than it should. Mm. And we only realized that once the song was launched onto platforms. So I'll actually send you the correct version and you can air the, you can air the correct version. You'll notice it. If you do a little A and B comparison, you'll figure it out about a minute in you'll go, Oh, that's what he meant. Um, but yeah, I'm going to send you the wave version and maybe you can close the show with that version, the corrected version. It's interesting. Because Paul or nothing. Paul or nothing exclusive. <laughs> to me, it's quite clear that he recorded it again in the 80s because the, the version on the Rupert the Bear album, it does not sound like the one that we get 
on yeah. uh, the wildlife extended. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, but what a gorgeous the, the melody. What a gorgeous and that, melody. And two, there's two fingers as well, isn't it? That's. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. That's what it is. It is such a beautiful piece. Mm-hmm. I mean, man. I'm more of a, I'm more of a C kind of guy. C, C, the C. That's a little more me. Oh, well, Rupert the Bear is such an underrated album for me. It needs, it needs a release, an official release. I agree. Whoever owns the right. We need Disney to buy the rights to the Beatles and buy the rights to Rupert the Bear. And then we get that, you know. You know that's yeah. how we do it through corporate synergy. That's there how we you get go. the art you we need through corporate synergy. Um, yes. folks, go where th- the money is at. <laughs> this is my third time trying to end this episode and bring it to a swift close. I've yes. been Sam Wiles. This has been Paul. Sam, thank you. No, thank you for coming on. This has been an absolute treat. We've been talking about play McCartney as well as McCartney in general. Max, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been. So- so many people have said I'll get you on the show eventually I've actually done it now so uh, thank you for coming on bro peace and love peace and love thank you Sam thank you autographs everyone Uh, peace and love after October 12th (laughs) no No more autographs Thank you.